Okay, if you would take your Bible, turn to 1 John in chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Going to start reading at verse 18. Going to read down through verse 24. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, They went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. The title of the message this morning is The Spirit of the Last Time. The Spirit of the Last Time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again. For your word, we thank you that it's eternal, that it does not change, it's incorruptible. We thank you for that assurance that we can know that we have the words of God. And as we look into the word of God this morning, may we see the Son of God, high and holy and lifted up. And I pray that we'd be drawn to him. We pray, Father, to be in our midst this morning who are not born again by the Spirit of God. I pray that the Spirit of God will convict them of their sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Bring them to repentance and faith in Christ. Father, if there's any that are saved, that are uh, got some things in their life that are not pleasing to Thee, I pray that You would work in their hearts as well and help them to surrender to Thee. Have Your will in Your way, and may You be glorified, we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in verse 18, John the Apostle starts, Little children. Little children. Now he's not talking to little children. This is not a junior church session. He's talking to a church. He says, little children. And of course, it speaks of where the use of mind is required. It's an affectionate address. So picture in your mind, if you will, we're all gathered here to hear from one who walked the hills of Galilee and through the streets of Jerusalem with the Lord Jesus Christ. Saw him feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes. Was present when he healed blind Bartimaeus. Was present when he gave life to the son of the broken-hearted widow of Nain. Went with him up the Mount of Transfiguration where he was transfigured before him. And heard, saw Moses and Elijah appear to him and talk with him there. Then followed him down from the mountain and listened to him with astonishment speak of how he was going to be betrayed and crucified. And three days later, he would rise from the dead. John had been present at the trial. 
and had brought Peter into the house of the high priest. He had stood and watched helplessly as Jesus was crucified. And while he was hanging on the cross, he heard him say, Son, behold thy mother. And then with a cry, he heard him say with a loud voice, It is finished. And bow his head and die. After three days, he ran to the empty tomb. And then an evening, saw him appear as they met in sorrow. He listened to his promise of the coming of the Spirit, heard his commands to them, watched as he went up into heaven, and heard the angel say, This same Jesus that goeth into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And why stand you gazing up? You know, John was present when the Spirit of God empowered them. He was present with Peter when they preached in the temple in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3, was beaten with Peter and the other disciples by the, by the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. And now as an old man who had lived by the power of God, who had witnessed the salvation of souls, churches established, saw some of them martyred for their faith. Even himself had been persecuted and suffered for the cause of Christ. But he saw them martyred, declaring their trust and confidence in the risen Lord. And now, if you will, standing here before us with a furrowed brow, years of service and suffering, with a love of God burning in his heart, say to you and I, little children, little children, it is the last time. And in the last time, there's going to be many antichrists. Beware. The spirit of the last time is going to be one of antichrist. That is, against Christ. When he speaks of the last time, the last time that those two words means the time nearest the return of Christ from heaven and the consummation of the divine kingdom. Beloved, I believe we're living in that last time. I believe the coming of the Lord is near. I believe it's nigh. We're even at the doors. And as John here describes those last times, he describes it, first of all, as the spirit of Antichrist. Notice you would in verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, as you have heard that Antichrist shall come. That speaks of a person. He says, goes on and says, even now are there many Antichrists, or many who who are against Christ, whereby we know that it is the last time. You know, the word Antichrist was formed probably by John. It's only used by John in the New Testament. It's used five times in the New Testament, and he's the only one who uses it. It's used here, 1 John 2.18, twice. Verse 22 also uh, uses the word Antichrist. And then chapter 4, verse 3, again the word is used, and then 2 John, verse 7. And Antichrist refers to the corrupt power and influence hostile to Christian interests. That's the spirit of Antichrist. 
especially that which is at work in false teachers. That would be the spirit of Antichrist, false teachers. Who, and, and notice, it says, who, they come, who come from within the church. Come from within the church and are engaged in disseminating error. That's what Antichrist means. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And John tells us here, under the inspiration of the Spirit, that they shall appear. Uh, again, in verse 18, little children, this last time, as you heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. And so these shall appear. Uh, it means to make one's appearance or come before the public. In in verse 21, it says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because that you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Uh, verse 23, Whosoever denieth the Son, hath same hath not the Father also. You know, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, further talks about this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are going out into the world, hereby know ye the Spirit of Christ, even this, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You know, Jude, in, in his epistle in verse 4, he says this, For there are certain men crept in unawares, who before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So the spirit of Antichrist is the denial of the deity or lordship of Jesus Christ. That is the spirit of Antichrist. And this corrupt influence began very early. Very early. After, after the uh, resurrection of Christ. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Origen, who was considered one of the founding fathers, lived from 185 to 254 A.D., and he believed that Jesus was a created being and not eternal. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. That's a denial of the deity of Jesus Christ. And he was within the church. Uh, so, you know, and, and, and John tells us here that we're to hang on to, we're to, to, to keep that which was from the beginning. If you notice in... Uh, 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 in verse, uh, yeah, verse 24, I'm sorry. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago in verses 7 through 8, that which we have heard from the beginning. And from the very beginning, Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God. God in the flesh. If you notice in John 1, 1 John 1, verses 1 through 3 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled, of the word of life. And again, that word, word there is capitalized. 
For the life was manifested, we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That eternal life is referring to the life of Christ. He is the eternal one. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So this was something that was declared from the beginning. Jesus declared it of himself. John the Baptist declared it of him, that he was before him. And, and, and you know, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. So it was declared from the very beginning that Jesus was God in the flesh. And the spirit of Antichrist is that which denies the deity of Jesus Christ. So that's the spirit of Antichrist. Notice, secondly, the origin of the spirit of Antichrist. Where do they come from? Well, verse 19 tells us, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest. They were not all of us. So where did they come from? Well, John says they went out from us. They went out from us. You know, again, the spirit of Antichrist refers to the corrupt power and influence hostile to Christian interests and that which is at work in false teachers who come from within the churches. So it came from within the churches and they began engaging and disseminating, promoting error. And, and John says, they went out from us. In other words, they, that, that, that phrase there, they went out, means to go out from the assembly. That is, to forsake it. So they, they left the assembly of the Lord's churches. You know, many New Testament writers wrote concerning false teachers that would come. And did come within the first century. Let's look at a couple, couple passages of Scripture. Acts chapter 20. Paul warned the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20 and verses 28 to 31. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 to 31, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves, to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the flock of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He says they're going to come out from among, among you. This is, this is the Ephesian elders here he's speaking to, the Ephesian pastors and the church at Ephesus is one of the stronger churches in the New Testament. He says, they're going to come from among you grievous wolves. Speaking perverse things. Not sparing the flock. 2 Timothy 4. Again, in verse, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1, he writes Timothy, his son in the faith, and he says this, 2 Timothy 4, I'm sorry, it's 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, 
speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. So he says that they're, they're gonna, he's going to arise, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Excuse me. And we know that very early on there were those who began to teach celibacy. Well, I'll look at that in a minute. But look, look also, Peter spoke of this, 2 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> 2 Peter 2. So God warned his people, he's warned us that there'd be false teachers among the churches. 2 Peter 2, verse 1, there were false prophets also among the people, that's about Old Testament Israel, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. So they're denying the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying there. And bring upon themselves swift destruction, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And then Jude, we read Jude verse 4, that talks about how they'll deny the Lord that bought them. And so... And if you and if you read of the seven churches in the book of, of Revelation, we know that already in those churches, in fact, let's go there and look at those. This is within the first century. There are already errors being taught and tolerated in, in some of those seven churches. Revelation chapter 2, verse 14 says, But I have a few things against thee. Because, and this is the Lord Jesus, he who walks in the midst of his candlesticks, in the midst of his churches, and he's saying, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block for the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which things I hate. And that was the idea of, a, there's, there's the clergy, and then there's the layman. And that, that's not a scriptural teaching. That's a Catholic Church teaching. You know, there's a clergy up here, and somehow they're, 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 they're a, a class unto themselves, and they're above the law and all this kind of stuff. That's Nicolaitism. And, and then in chapter and verse 20, Revelation 2 and verse 20, it says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. This is the church of Thyatira. Because thou sufferest that woman... Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. She repented not. Behold, I will cast her into, the, into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her in the great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he, which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works." So already in the seven churches that, that the Lord addresses there in Revelation, we see that there are errors being taught. This is within the first century. You're the church fathers, quote-unquote, taught Roman Catholic and Protestant doctrines and apostate doctrines long before the Roman Catholic churches ever came into existence. Let me give you some, some examples. And, you know, much of the error that is promoted in our world have their origin in New Testament churches. I mean, there was heresies within the Corinthian church. There were some there were saying there's, there's no resurrection. 
You know, so that, that was, what, 60 A.D. Paul was still living. Uh, in 2 Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 17 and 18, he says, The word we, that's doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of the Son. But as we think about the church fathers, uh, for example, Ignatius, who is, lived like 37 to 110 A.D., these are, these are estimates, he taught a universal church idea. This man, historians say, most likely was a, 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 a um, disciple of John. And he taught a universal church idea, and a church did not have authority to baptize without a bishop. So the bishop has the authority, the church doesn't. That's what he taught. Uh, he was martyred around 110 A.D. Uh, Justin Martyr, who lived from 100 to 165, he taught an allegorical and mystical interpretation of Scripture. That's what the Catholics, how the Catholics and Protestants do it. Uh, don't take the, church, the, the Bible literally. And he helped develop the idea of a, quote-unquote, middle state between, you know, after death that was neither heaven nor hell. Well, what's that preparation for? That came along later. Purgatory. Same idea. Irenaeus, who was a pastor in Lyons, France, from 125 to 202 A.D., he believed that a bishop could be a ruler over many churches. A bishop is another name for pastor. He also taught that the Eucharist, that's what they call it, the Eucharist, or the bread, became the body of Christ. Transubstantiation of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, he also taught apostolic succession. There you go. Peter's succession of, or the Pope is the succession of Peter, you know. And, and so, uh, as a way to preserve the faith. Cyprian, Bishop of Carthage, 200 to 256, uh, taught that certain bishops had authority over many churches. He supported infant baptism. So, so you know, by 256, you're already having guys that are teaching that, you know, infant baptism can be practiced. Um, but the most venerated and the most quoted and the greatest heretic of them all, as far as I'm concerned, is the guy by the name of Augustine. And he believed in using force. This is where the Protestants and the Catholics get their idea of forcing force conversions. He believed in using force because Luke 14, 23, Jesus said, compel them to come in. He also promoted an allegorical interpretation of Scripture. He taught all millennialism, meaning all things written in the book of Revelation about the thousand-year reign of Christ are symbolic, you know, and they happen sometime. You know, I, I was talking to a guy that was all, I talked to an Amish boy one time, and he said all that stuff happened during the Dark Ages. You know, and uh, could you imagine a thousand-year reign of Christ that talks about peace on earth, and then he says it happens during the Dark Ages when the greatest persecutions of Christians happened? Uh, anyway, uh, he also taught that the Lord's table was a means of saving grace. So you take the Lord's Supper, you, you know, to help you get saved. That's, that's, he taught infant baptism. He also taught that Mary did not commit sin and promoted her to worship. So you have Mariolatry. Um, he believed in purgatory. And as I read in Timothy, where Paul said there's going to be some forbidding to marry and commend, forbidding to marry, 
He also supported and taught celibacy for priests. He taught the authority of the church over the Bible and that true interpretation was derived from church councils. That's Roman Catholic teaching right to the core. Uh, from him came the damnable doctrine of Calvinism. He, he taught that some were preordained to salvation, others to damnation. And the grace of God is irresistible for the true elect. That was Augustine. John Calvin derived his, his tulip theology, his Calvinism from Augustine. In fact, John Calvin said this, quote, If I were inclined to compile a whole volume of Augustine, I could easily show my readers that I need no words but his, unquote. That's in the Calvin Institutes of Christian Religion. So where do the seeds of false doctrine originate? John says, they went out from us. They went out from us. You know, Roman Catholic errors and Protestant errors started within sound churches. Came from out of churches. And evolved in what we know today as Roman Catholicism and Protestantism, where they worship Mary, they worship the saints, they have work salvation, confessional booth, and on and on and on you go. See, John says in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest. You know, again, that word continue means to dwell, remain, or maintain unbroken fellowship. You know the false doctrine of Joel, Steen, you know where it originated? Did you know that Joel Steen's father was a Southern Baptist pastor who left the Southern Baptist Convention and started a charismatic church in the late 1950s? And hence we get Joelstein and his doctrine. What he left. He left the truth. His father left the truth and started heretical churches. So this is this is the origin of the spirit of Antichrist. Now we'll notice a third thing. The manifestation. We'll notice the manifestation of our spirit. And the word made manifest there in verse 19 says that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. The word made manifest means to become known, to be plainly recognized, to thoroughly under, be thoroughly understood who and what sort of person one is. So, um, so we'll, look, we'll look at several things here. First of all, those who manifest the spirit of Antichrist. How do you recognize them? Well, according to the scripture here, the first thing that they see is they leave the Lord's church. Verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. See, what's made manifest is, what is made manifest here is they were not all of us. Now listen carefully, what John the aged, the beloved disciple, was saying under the direction of the Holy Spirit of God is this, that when people leave the Lord's church rather than submit to its authority, 
which is the word of God, that's its authority, they are in reality rebelling against the Lord himself. And the authority that he has established on earth and in which his presence dwells. For the head of the church is Christ. A true church. The Bible says this two times. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. So when you resist the word of the Lord given you through his church, which is the pillar and ground of the truth, you are acting in the spirit of Antichrist or against Christ. It is also a denial that Jesus is the Christ. Drop down, if you would, to verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. The word denieth means to deny or to contradict. In other words, you're contradicting what the Lord has said about himself. And if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, and that word, the name Christ, is really a descriptive name. The, notice it says that Jesus is the Christ. That means he is the anointed. It means the anointed one. Um, it defines his person, that he is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He's the chosen Redeemer, Savior, Lord, and King. There is no other. He is the Messiah. This is why the Jews rejected him, because he, he, he proclaimed that he was the Messiah, the Christ of God, and they refused to believe it. And that is the spirit of Antichrist, to deny that he is Lord and King. So when you and I resist his word, as the Pharisees did, when we rebel as King Saul, when we determine in our heart that I am doing things my way, what I think is best, we are acting in the spirit of Antichrist and denying the lordship of Jesus Christ. We are denying that he is the Christ, the Lord of my life. The most obvious manifestation given here is, of course, they went out from us. They went out. You know, does your actions and attitudes contradict the word of God? Do they contradict the lordship of Christ? Are you in heart denying him as the Lord of your life? That's the spirit of Antichrist. It's the spirit of Antichrist. So that's the, that's the spirit of Christ, of Antichrist, manifested. But notice also the spirit of Christ manifested here. In verses 20 through 24, the Bible says this, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, because you know it. 
and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Son and the Father. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So here is the Spirit of Christ manifest in the life of a believer. He has an unction. That one unction has the idea of an anointing, and, and like an anointing of an ointment that's smeared on, and, and it signifies the presence of the Spirit of God. It signifies the presence of the Spirit of God. And, and it says, and ye know the truth. Verse 23. It says, um, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 21. I am not rendering you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. Verse 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath a Father also. And so he says, ye know the truth, and ye acknowledge the truth. The word acknowledgeth the Mary means to agree with or to say the same thing. It's the same word used, translated confess in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess. In other words, we say the same thing about our sin before God. He's just and, and, and faithful and will forgive us our sins. And the idea here is we agree with God, we agree with Jesus Christ that he is the Christ. He is God. We say the same thing. The same thing that we have heard from the beginning. Notice verse 24. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So this is what he has declared from the beginning, that he is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the anointed of God. And he said if that, if he is our Lord and King, if that abides or remains in us, he said ye shall continue in the Son. Now, how is this manifest? Well, the best example I know of this is Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David. You know, after David killed Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel 18, 1 tells us that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. That word knit there means he was bound to him. He bound himself to him. His life was surrendered to David. It was surrendered, completely surrendered. Daniel, could you come here a minute, please? And to show or demonstrate that surrender, the Bible says that, that he willingly surrendered or gave up to David his kingly robe. Take off your shepherd's jacket. Take off your shepherd's jacket. This is a king's this is fit for a king. You need to put this on because you know, that's just a shepherd's jacket. So you need to put on a kingly robe. That's a man's coat. So he surrendered to him his kingly robe. He also surrendered to him his bow. Weapons of war speaks of power. And among other things, there were several other things, he gave him his sword. 
the sword of a king. And he surrendered it to David. And he gave him a girdle. I'm not taking my girdle off. He gave him a girdle. A girdle was what was, would be comparable today to an a ammo belt. Okay? So all these things he gave, he surrendered to David. Willingly. And what he was saying is, you will be my Lord. I will now serve you. Now this is the king's son. This is the king's son. But he recognized that God had anointed David to be the next king, and he was willingly surrendering himself to his service. Thank you, you can go sit down. You can get that later. And, and even later, remember when David was, on, was fleeing from Saul, and he was in the wilderness. And Jonathan went into the wilderness to encourage David, and this is what he said to him. He said that you will be king... And I will be second, and that my father knoweth. You will be king, I will be second, and that my father knoweth. And I ask you, does the heavenly father know that you are surrendered to his son? That's the manifest spirit. Of Christ. A spirit surrendered to him, recognizing him that he is Lord. See, a spirit of Antichrist is, he's not any better than I am. Why should I surrender to him? Do you know that's the greatest insult that's ever been committed? And it justifies the condemnation of a burning hell. You see, if we, if, we, if we are giving evidence to the Spirit of Christ, what we are saying is, Lord, God, I am surrendering to your Son my service, my ambitions. Do you realize what Jonathan just gave up? He gave up his ambition to be king. He recognized that I will not be the next king as I should be because I'm in the lineage, I'm the son of the king, but I'm giving it up because God has chosen you to be the king and I'm going to be at your service, at your command. That's the spirit of Christ. Is that being manifest in your life and mine? Paul said in Ephesians 3.14, For this cause I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does the Father of King Jesus know that your heart is bowed at his feet? Does he know you? Does he know your name? Do you realize the Lord knows your name? You know, he is present in his church. Are you really present here? You know, Matthew 18, 20 says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Revelation talks about how he knows, he knows, you know, in every church, he says, I know, I know, I know, I know. 
Why? Because he walks in the midst of a church and he knows. John chapter 3. And cha- or, I'm sorry, John chapter 10 and verse 3, he's, he says the, that um, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name. The Lord knows our name. He knows your name. The one who gave his life for you, he knows your name. He calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Verse, verse 4 says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Are you following his voice? That's what it means to be to manifest the Spirit of Christ. Verse 5, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. You know, when you hear a false prophet, if you know, if you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, when you hear a false prophet, there ought to be a, a, a red light go on in your mind and say, something wrong with this. Something wrong with this. The Spirit of God gives that discernment. John 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Does the Lord know your name? Does he know that your heart is surrendered to his Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your life manifesting the spirit of Christ or the spirit of Antichrist? And it's not so much as what you say that God knows. It's what you do. Over and over again, he says, we looked at this last week, he that doeth the will of my Father doeth. Your words can be empty, meaningless. It's your actions that prove your words. Do your actions manifest the spirit of Christ?